free beer? Let me tell you how at the end of this spot. From Alter Genius Brewing Company, it has everything for a true craft brewery experience. Try their brilliantly crafted brews, creative house cocktails, cider from a few bad apples, and a full kitchen with a spectacular array of tasty dishes at their brewery in Ambridge. Or try their new trailside tap room on the Montour Trail in Imperial that's sure to have something for everyone with 20-plus different craft beers, ciders, and cocktails. Treat yourself to a brilliantly crafted brew at Alter Genius Brewing Company and tell them Tim Ben sent you for a small pour on the house. Barber school? Do you hate your job? Looking for a change? The Barber School of Pittsburgh may have your cure. Locations on Banksville Road and Monroeville. Day and night classes available and rolling now at bsp.edu. Get your degree in as little as nine months. Financial aid available. Now accepting veterans benefits. Barber School. Yes, Google Barber School of Pittsburgh. bsp.edu. bsp.edu. Again, bsp.edu. Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is our Breakfast with Ben's Hockey Podcast for the week with Seth Rorba. Seth, you can read him covering the Pittsburgh Penguins every day during the hockey season at Trib Live. Joining us right now, as he always does on the Fans First Network, on our Breakfast with Ben's podcast to talk about the Penguins' upcoming game against the San Jose Sharks, who have yet to win this season and just lost 10-1 to to Vancouver. And I, I feel like, Seth, I'm obligated to say words to the effect of there's no way possible that they can lose this team. And I feel like that's akin to when, like, the A's came to town to play the Pirates this year and they had that all-time terrible start to the season or... There's no way the Steelers can go on the road and lose to the Houston Texans. Like, the the louder we say it's impossible for them to lose the game, there's no way possible they could lose to the Blackhawks in the circumstances that they had last season. The louder we say that there's no way possible that they could lose this game, the more likely I feel like it could happen. Well, if there's ever a time to have faith in Mikhail Granlin uh, being a bad player for your lineup, I guess it's now. Um <laughs> Uh, now this is um what happened with, with the San Jose Sharks specifically on you know Thursday against Vancouver. I mean that's I mean yeah I mean we've seen it every once in a while. I think the Penguins put up what ten on the um, Detroit Red Wings like two years ago, and I think the Penguins gave up ten to the Blackhawks like in the Chicago season opener maybe like five six years ago. I mean it happens every once in a while, but um, 
when you see it uh, with a team that doesn't have a win yet, you know, you know, after the first month of the season, uh, they have one point. I mean, it just, it really, you know, signals that there's something really bad going on here and and hey i get it the sharks are rebuilding i mean they're they're not designed to be a playoff team they're doing this intentionally um uh, but uh just the lack of competition that they're providing on a you know at least for one game thursday night um that's appalling i mean it, it's it, uh, it looks similar to what the buffalo sabers were doing maybe a couple years ago yeah. when they were in the Connor mcdavid sweepstakes uh certainly can say that's what the penguins have done more than once on, on throughout their history um, I mean, it really calls back to memories of those really, really terrible Sharks expansion teams uh, in the early '90s. You, you would see the Penguins go in there with you know, the, you know, Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Rick Tockett, Kevin Stevens, and put up nine, eight goals, whatever it is. But um, the Sharks are in a pretty bad place, and yeah, I mean, it's it's you almost wonder, okay, maybe they had a players-only meeting. This was the lowest of the low for them. Maybe they get together for one night against the Penguins, who aren't exactly lighting the world up on fire, but. Um, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think for anyone, anyone that's just looking at this objectively, you would assume the Penguins are the better team in this and we should have an easy win. But uh, uh, the Penguins haven't made many things easy this uh, season so far. Well, you just went where I was going next, which was, you know, when I saw the schedule have Vancouver as the game before the Penguins got out there, I just thought to myself, you know, uh, get it to overtime and get a point, or if you're going to lose, lose 5-2. Just make it something mundane and a continuation of the norm. But to your point, that feels like a bottoming-out experience and like it can't get any worse from there. Whether it's a bounce-back or whether it's just a pride check, I feel like the Penguins are going to get a, a significantly better effort and, and maybe a better result out of the uh, Sharks than what San Jose fans have been used to seeing all year. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the Sharks lineup, I mean, again, I'm not expecting them to be a playoff contender whatsoever. And, you know, and, and that postulate has been, you know, confirmed here through the, their first 10 games of the season. But um, there's some talent in there. I mean, Thomas Hurdle, I mean, he's been a good player. You know, Mike Hoffman's been a 30 goal scorer. Anthony Duclair's been a 20 goal scorer. Um, there is some talent. So, I mean, yeah, you have to imagine that they're at the very least going to be. Um, somewhat competitive uh, against the Penguins, and maybe, maybe not necessarily to the point where you know they're going to beat the Penguins, but to the point where they're not going to be giving up ten goals. Um, and, and just above all else, I mean, these are NHL players. There's pride in that, and there, or at least there should be. And you have to imagine that pride took a really, really big hit after Thursday's game. It's going to refocus them and you know get them pointed in a direction where you know they're going to be a competitive entity on a game-to-game basis. You know, again, not going to be a playoff team, but um, just to give some kind of challenge to teams that are supposedly ahead of them. Um, I, I, again, I, I can't sit here and say, "Oh, the San Jose Sharks are going to, you know, you know, dominate the Penguins on Saturday night," but they're not going to give up ten goals either. They're going to give a much you, you would presume they're going to give a much more focused, much more determined effort than what they offered against Vancouver on Thursday. Seth Rorba with us covers the Pens for Trib Live. Okay, Seth, we've talked a lot about what's wrong with the Sharks. What's been wrong with the Pens? Uh, wow. Uh, where can we start? Um, most notably, I mean, this is an easy target, but I would say the goaltender. And he said that himself after the game on uh, Monday evening against Anaheim. He, got, he was beaten for four goals in that game. Um, and granted, the game-winning goals of just a you know a shorthanded breakaway after just a, an abysmal five-on-three power play opportunity for the Penguins. But um, at the rate he's being paid at, at the uh, investment they've made in him, he's you know it's fair to expect for him to come up with a big save and a big moment there. And he did not. And he acknowledged that. He said, you know, that's a situation where I can make a save. 
Um, and he just kind of broadly addressed his overall play this season where he says, yeah, I don't think I've given the guys enough of a chance to win every night here. So um, he's been out early in practice uh, this week in Cranberry, you know, working on some things with Andy Kyoto and, and Magnus Helberg, the, you know, the, the reserve goaltender right now. Um, so he's, it seems like he's been addressing, you know, whatever shortcomings uh, he may have in his game right now. But, um, you know, I, I, I look at him squarely and say, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest problem there. Um, because I mean, I, I'm not a big analytics guy or anything like that. Maybe it's just I'm not smart enough to look at them and understand them. But um, there's all kinds of indicators. Whether you're just looking at, say, you know, uh, shot attempts, the Penguins are, are very much in the black there. Uh, high danger chances, meaning you know the best chances to score goals. The Penguins are very much in the black there. I mean, there's um, some expected goal numbers that you know they're upwards of like I think they the, they were expected to score seven goals based on how they played in Anaheim against Anaheim on Monday. Um, and you know, they, you know, the goaltending there, uh, Lucas Dostal, who took over for John Gibson that game when Gibson got hurt, you know, really played pretty well. So uh, the Penguins are doing some really good things in terms of puck possession and creating scoring chances. They're just not converting them. And conversely, you know, when they need a big save here or there, uh, Tristan Jari hasn't provided it for them. And it, oddly enough, I mean, Tristan Jari's only two wins this year have come in shutouts. So it's, it's almost like an all or nothing thing for him, but. Um, it's not to say Tristan Jari hasn't had success this season. He clearly has with the two shutouts, including against the Colorado Avalanche, a you know, very powerful team. But uh, more often than not, though, uh, you know, Tristan Jari has looked average most nights and, uh, in Anaheim's game. Again, by his own admission, he just wasn't good enough. I want to fixate on the point that you just made there, Seth, about the expected goals, the analytic numbers, the high-danger chances, the... 97 shot attempts against Anaheim in one game. And I look at the Penguins team shooting percentage, which is not a number that people like to use because it's, you know, so evenly distributed through, throughout the league. The numbers are usually so tight, but you know, they're at 8% and there's only four teams that are lower than that. And where I'm going to meld that simple number with some of the more advanced analytics that you refer to is that for as good as they are still at uh, creating chances, are the star players who are out there getting so many minutes, I mean, do we have to talk about them just not converting enough? Is, is this something that needs to be talked about more? I thought it was at the end of the regular season last year when this issue really cropped up, and I feel like it's carried over to this year. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I I've always been kind of wishy-washy with uh, you know, the shot percentage because I mean, if you if you fire a uh, you know just a you know a, a, a weak wrister from the point and it gets stopped, I mean that counts as just as much the same as if you have a opportunity right in the blue paint and the the goaltender makes. Well, well that's what I'm saying, know, yeah, because like it doesn't matter the the nature of the shots, how good they are or how bad they are, shot attempts or shot saved, but yeah. they're not going in, you know. And if if we've yeah. got here in Pittsburgh, this great collection of talent and the, this top end, top six that should be scoring goals, they're not doing it enough with the ice time that they get. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I would guess I would, my answer to that is, um, you know, obviously that team last year was largely carried by a pretty good top six when you, you know, with Jason Zucker mm-hmm. uh, being maybe the only difference in the, in the lineup from, uh, from uh, to Riley Smith to this year, um, what they I, they seem to have maybe hope to address that with uh, some of the free agent additions they made. You know, Matt Nieto, Lars Eller, Noah Chari. Um, Lars Eller, I think, has done his his job in terms of trying to help provide some some supplemental offense. 
Um, you know, you've seen him, uh, you know, gain some chemistry here in the past uh, four games with the Redeem Sahorn and Drew O'Connor. That, that line has three goals in the past four games. Uh, that fourth line has, you know, offered almost nothing. It's been pretty inert to be certain. I'm, I'm not saying they're hurting the team, but they've been pretty inert. I mean, I think they've only given up one goal against, but none for. Uh, been have, haven't scored any goals for the team. So with Noel Chari and uh, Matt Nieto and uh, Jeff Carter, it looks like he's maybe going to be replaced by Vinny Hinostroza here. So, uh, but I I think they tried to address that problem just in terms of boosting the tops the bottom six. Um, the top six, I I have a hard time just say, saying oh they're not doing their job. But um, uh, in, at least in terms of five on five play, Sidney Crosby's offense is picked up you know brian russ has you know gone off the hot start jake gunsel you li- you'd like to see a little bit more of him but i'm giving him maybe a bit of a a curve there just given that he's come off the ankle surgery and everything like that uh, riley smith and evgeny malkin have really generated some 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 immediate chemistry there uh just given some of the give and go sequences and uh ricardo raquel might actually be the kind of the face of that futility in terms of you know great analytics but zero base statistics i mean you get to score a goal but um i i think up until recently he was like their best player in terms of uh, uh, puck possession numbers, in terms of just the basic shots for, uh, shot attempts for and shot attempts against. So he's been doing some good things. They just haven't gone in for him. So I, I, I'm not smart enough to tell you like, oh, how, how you can, how can you shoot better? How can you aim better? I mean, these are, these are the best players in the world and they can probably put a puck anywhere they want in any mm-hmm. given moment. Um, they just haven't been able to find enough, you know, holes, uh, you know, in okay, opposing well, goaltenders. No, I got you. So maybe, all right. If, if you think maybe I'm being too, Part of the top six, for instance. Like, I, I guess I can frame it this way. For instance, when this conversation was kind of being kicked around on Twitter, it seemed like last week, there, there were some people who pushed back and were saying, well, you know, Sidney Crosby's still a point per game. Evgeny Malkin's still a point per game. Okay. Like, Crosby right now is at 10 points in nine games. And that's good for 29th in the league. So, I mean, if we're just going by points per game, there was similar outcry when Sid was only 23rd on that ESPN yeah. NHL. Okay, well, then that's roughly where he is. I mean, like, if we're going to use points per game as the barometer by which to measure him, then maybe that was a little bit more accurate than we wanted to admit at the time. Now, Gino being left off was stupid, and he's a little bit more than a point per game right now. He's he's the 20th or so in the league in that regard. But, I mean, you see where I'm going with it, is that we, yeah. we, we kind of want to use the point per game barometer to say they're, they're still excelling, they're still excelling. Well, there are others who are on teams that are doing better that have the top end players that are producing more than that with the ice time that they warrant. Well, then that, that's where I would maybe inject that the, that's where the struggles on the power play. Uh, maybe okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Become a problem there if we're just trying to evaluate players and their production and stuff like that. Um, you know, Sidney Crosby had a really nice season last year. Um, he with 90 some points, or whatever. And he did so with a power play that sputtered for most of the season. Um, I think it's fair to say he probably would have, easily cleared 100 um maybe even of getting malkin i think he was maybe in the 80s or, or wherever it was last year if the power play was you know functioning at a you know appropriate level for the skill that, that they have so um you know, if we're talking about players productions here i i would tell you that the, you know the power play struggles and you know they had the two goals in anaheim they did go up the shorthanded goal there to win the game or lose the game i guess i should say uh but so it did gain a little bit of traction against anaheim but um, it, it's fair to say it's been underwhelming uh, through you know, all nine games here. Um, um, you, you'd like to see uh, that group just function a lot better, uh, just given the personnel on it and uh, the the options they have. So, um, you know, for for rating players just on you know uh, offensive production, you know, shooting percentage, all that stuff. I, mean, I would tell you the Penguins' numbers they look okay now. They would look a lot better if that power play was uh, clicking at a 
uh, even an average rate right now. Seth Robo with us. All right, Seth, I'll fire a few rapid, big picture, NHL at large questions for you that I found interesting towards the end of this week. Phil Kessel spoke with the Athletics, says he still wants to play. Do you think anybody's going to pick him up? Um, I, I maybe have a team out there that they maybe need some help with a power play. I know of one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> would they do uh, it? That's a, would, would they consider it? Would Sully no, consider uh, it? No, I think it just would come down to a matter of they don't have the the, the, the salary cap space or the, the 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 contract maneuverability. They have like forty eight contracts to the limit of fifty. Uh, so I, I think that would just hurt, you know limit them in a lot of ways that they brought him in there. Um, he, he almost strikes me as a guy that you bring in maybe to, to potentially help boost your third line, uh, maybe be kind of a power play specialist. Uh, and he had some like 30 points or whatever last year. It's, so he's not a completely washed player at this point of his career. Um, he can help contribute. You just have to you know limit your expectations for him. This is not going to be the guy that scored 30 goals, 60, 70, 80 points uh, as he did once in his career. I mean, he's a, he's a guy in his mid-30s and – um, there's a reason he's out of work right now. So um, if he's working and training out, uh, hey, more power to him. I, I think that could be a potentially a guy that you bring in maybe on a PTO or like a one-year minimum contract just to maybe kind of help boost you a little bit. But uh, um, you bring in Phil Kessel, you're, you're not bringing in the Phil Kessel from uh, 10 years ago. You're bringing in a guy who's very much past his prime but can still contribute. Regarding the Adam Johnson tragedy, A, where are you on mandatory neck guards? And B, what do you think about English officials' uh, authorities, I should say, looking into the matter? Uh, as far as the uh, the legal ramifications, I, I don't know enough about the UK law or the Crown or anything like that as far as uh, you know offering any kind of intelligent opinion there. It just seems to me it's just due diligence on their behalf. Um, as I understand, any kind of situation where life ends unnaturally they uh they do a very thorough investigation so it strikes me as just uh due diligence on that behalf um and as far as adam johnson goes and you know the neck guards and everything like that uh you know in the first 51 years of the nhl only one player ever lost his life because of a head injury bill masterton they gave out a trophy in his honor uh um you know recognizing people who are dedicated to the sport and you know have overcome hardships and things like that um perhaps the biggest legacy for bill masterton is the fact that you know Albeit 11 years later, helmets became mandatory. One death was far too many uh, for the NHL not to go without it. Um, and this strikes me as maybe a similar dynamic. I, you know, it's been what 34, 35 years since Clint Malarchuk's ugly episode with a with a skate cut. There, you know, thank goodness he survived and everything like that. Um, um, Adam Johnson did not, and that strikes me as one too many. So. Um, even if this isn't a common occurrence, meaning skate cuts uh, to the neck, the head, whatever. Um, uh, it doesn't strike me as uh, outrageous to, to mandate them in some fashion. Um, now, obviously, there's got to be some some details, some rules, some some wrinkles to how this all is implemented. But um, it, it doesn't seem like there's going to be much pushback on this. Uh, um, I, again, that unfolded in a very very public and ugly fashion uh, to the world now. And it seems like it's really, uh, in, a, in, a, in a very sad way, it seemed like it might be the ultimate way to honor or pay tribute to Adam Johnson is that so many people are, are rushing to, to make this more common in the game. If there's a hard mandate, that's maybe another discussion, but it just seems like so many people, whether it's players or, or managerial uh, people, um, they want to make this some kind of change, a meaningful change in light of what happened to Adam. We haven't spoken since then, Seth. 
What was that? Was that just the worst attempt at a hip check ever? Uh, was it retaliation? Did you go back and watch the game long enough before it happened to see? Um, I, I've only watched it once, and that was enough for me. Uh, but uh, it, it looks terrible. I mean, it's a it's a fuzzy video of a fuzzy video on top of that too, so it's hard to see a lot of the details. Um, but I, I I have seen some some explanations from some of Adam's teammates on. Uh, on the Nottingham Panthers, including one, I, 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 I'm, abs- I'm missing his name for them for the moment. But forgive me, he was actually a friend of Adams from from uh, their time in, uh, growing up in Minnesota and stuff like that. And so you know, this is Adams' friend, and he said the player who hit Adam, Matt Pet, uh, Matt Petgrave, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he said this wasn't, you know, he should not be getting blamed for this. Uh, he explained uh, the Adams' teammate that. Um, Petgrave's skate, uh, his his left skate, maybe clipped another player's skate, and caused him to sort of tumble the way he did. So, um, again, this is someone's who's Adam Johnson's friend, uh, kind of explaining this, and uh, not just some some goof on Twitter, you know, trying to rile people up. Uh, you know, I've seen just ridiculous accusations of murder or attempted murder or whatever. Um, this was just a very ac- accidental instance, and. Um, I, and you know, I've, I've seen other people like say Dane Corsillo, the former Penguin prospect and NHL player. And, you know, he, you know, he's certainly, you know, uh, been, for lack of a better term, been a knucklehead throughout, you know, his existence as an NHL player. But he had a pretty good point that when you go over uh, to a lot of these leagues, especially a low level league like the elite ice hockey league is compared to say, you know, the KHL or, you know, leagues in Sweden and Switzerland. Um, a lot of times, it, the players aren't as good for obvious reasons. Well, that's that's, that's where just... I was going with it. That's that's the first thing that struck me. I didn't see the skate clack like you were talking about there. But yeah. I, it just looked to me like a guy who was trying to throw a hip check that maybe had never done one in a game before. And I know it's an exact... Like, this guy played with the crunch. This guy played with the played in the ECHL. I mean, I, I know he's played before. He's delivered a hip check. Yeah. It just didn't look like he was particularly adroit at doing so. Yeah, um, uh, Dan Corsillo's point was, you know, it's not just the fact that they can't, you know, handle the puck as well. It's just they don't have as good a control over their bodies, and um, you know, and then that's maybe what happened here in this situation. So, um, again, without examining the video too much, and I just, I just can't bring myself to watch it more than once already. Um, I, I just, I just see it's just an awful collision of events and circumstances that led to just, a, just a horrible, horrible uh, conclusion here. Well, finally, Seth, and maybe this gets into the same gray area where we're dwelling right now, but I'm wondering what you thought about what Gary Bettman said on Pat McAfee's show about the state of fighting in the NHL. Uh, I may have missed that. Um, Basically, he said status quo. He gave the same usual tropes about how fighting cleans up the game itself. It acts as a thermostat, to use his words. He patted the league on the back for getting rid of a lot through, you know, just natural attrition of the roster of the staged fighters, uh, the the hired goons, so to speak. And he didn't seem like a guy who was uh, looking to mandate fighting out of the game any more than what is already currently on the books. Yeah, I, I mean, my, my thoughts on it is they've largely pushed it out the door uh, over the past 10, 15 years. Um uh, through for a variety of reasons, I think most notably just the salary cap. Teams you manage your roster, um, and you know you want on your when you want your fourth line, you want that twelve forward on your roster to actually be able to contribute something. You don't want them to be, you know, uh, that that guy comes in the lineup for five minutes and just fights. Uh, there's maybe a few exceptions, guys like Ryan Reeves and Nick Gloria, but 
Um, I mean, think about the Penguins even 10 years ago. They had, you know, a guy like Eric Goddard, all due respect to him. I mean, it was limited. He was limited in what he could provide. Um, there would be no place for an Eric Goddard on the Pittsburgh Penguins today. And, you know, the Penguins events like light, uh, you know, um, uh, secondary fires, guys like Aaron Asham and, you know, Mike Rupp and, and things like that, the guys who would do that stuff. And um, today they don't. And today most teams don't. So, um, again, whereas, 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, every team seemingly carried one of those guys. And I think that's almost been a natural uh, side effect of uh, the salary cap being in the sport here for almost 20 years is that, you know, you want to get every single uh, value you can, I guess, out of every dollar you put into your roster. So, um, and also to me, you've seen like other just little rules here and there. Oh, if you, if you start a fight with a visor on that, the different penalty, then, uh, thing if you start a fight in the final five minutes and you get an instigator that can be for your coach so there's there hasn't been any one rule that says fighting's outlawed period but they've largely killed it through like a, a lot of a, a thousand little paper cuts so to speak and um it's still there it still happens you know we see it but um it's not as prevalent not as common as as it has been and i i don't see that trend reversing course they might just i don't know that it'll ever go away 100 percent but um, it seems like they've eradicated. I, you know, just off the top of my head, maybe by eighty percent, ninety percent, in you know, compared to say the late nineties, early two thousands. Seth, thanks. We'll do it again next week. Good luck getting through three periods on Saturday night. Anytime, Tim. Take care, man. Seth Rohrbach covers the Pittsburgh Penguins for us at Trib Live. Check him out throughout the course of the hockey season, and listen to all of our podcasts at Breakfast the Bands of the Fans First Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.